reading from the book of Acts. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. There, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my God, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning again. If you wouldn't mind, I'm going to say one more short prayer, so please bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's great to be with you after this Thanksgiving holiday, and we are actually going to pause on our series about King David to celebrate a special day. Today in the life of the church, uh, we celebrate Christ the King Sunday. Don't know if you know that, but today is a special day. In fact, uh, in the life of the church, today is the last Sunday of the church calendar year. Did you know that? That's why I'm wearing this fancy color up here, royal colors, this morning, to celebrate Christ our King. You see, in the life of the church, the church calendar year starts the first weekend of Advent. As we look to the coming of the King, but today we celebrate His birth, His death, His resurrection, and His Lordship over all creation. So we're going to do that by looking at the Pentecost story from Acts chapter 2. But before we get into the passage, uh, let me ask the biggest question in life, which is this. What 
is the key to life. What's the key to life? The answer that I'm going to present is a little unusual. You see, last year, I've been waiting to share this illustration for some time. Last year, we got some text messages from uh, my sister-in-law saying, hey, could you pray for your nephew, Eli? He's now in the ER. And we said, well, what's going on with Eli? Why why is he in the ER? Well, apparently, Eli had a mishap, and I got, or we got, this x-ray. And if you look at this x-ray, there's something unique in this x-ray. It's pretty clear. Can you see it? What is that? A key. And you think, well, Eli, what are you thinking? And uh, you might wonder, how old is Eli? Two, three years old? Wrong. When he swallowed this key, he was nine years old. And uh, so my sister-in-law asked Eli, she says, Eli, and by, by the way, some of you met my brother. I have one brother. He's a priest. And so anyway, there's always exciting times. Someone came up to us in the uh, service or after the service last week and said, how do you get all these stories? Well, it's just the life of a Sorensen. So anyway, this is the life of my nephew, Eli Sorensen. And he swallowed this key, and he was at a friend's house, you see. And he said to my sister-in-law, Angie, he said, uh, Mom, I, I wanted to scare my friend, so I said, boo, and I swallowed the key. And she says, Eli, that doesn't make sense. Like, why, why would you have a key in your mouth to begin with? And he said, well, Mom, I, I just like the taste of metal. What is the key to life? Well, let me share this. I think this is the big idea from our passage this morning. The key to life is understanding that Jesus came not to be a baby, but to be our king. Let me repeat that. The key to life is understanding that Jesus came not just to be a baby, but to be our king. And as we enter into the Advent season, I want us to grab hold of this truth or have this truth grab hold of us. We're going to unpack this truth with three sub-points. Point number one, Jesus came to set us free. Point number two, Jesus came to set us true. Point number three, Jesus came to set us on fire. Let's dive into the passage. Point number one, Jesus came to set us free. Leah read some of these words this morning. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up to the, according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up. Loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And the passage goes on. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. Let me ask this. As I was reading this passage... 
that a certain movie came to mind. In fact, it's my favorite movie. It's Saving Private Ryan. Who here has seen that movie before? It's a, it's a gruesome movie, but it's a glorious movie. The movie starts with a, a, an elderly veteran walking to the Normandy American Cemetery and Memorial. And he's walking slowly, and he gets to this tombstone, and he drops with tears in his eyes. And his family has walked with him to that memorial. And then it flashes back to D-Day, 1944, the invasion uh, of the U.S. troops and the Allies uh, into Europe. And uh, it's gruesome. And right there at the beginning of the movie, there's a new mission that's issued. You see, at the heart of the movie was uh, this rescue mission for this young man named Private Ryan, James Ryan. And you see, uh, what, what came to be known to the, the generals that were overseeing the war is James had three brothers. All three had been lost or were missing in action. And so the, the general in charge issued this order, we need to rescue Private Ryan so his mother doesn't lose all her sons. This movie actually is based on a true story. Nonetheless, the movie goes on and they send uh, American army rangers to go rescue Ryan. And it's this whole narrative of why are we going to rescue this one man and lives are lost along the way. And they finally find Private Ryan and he's like, why me? Why is this blood being spilled for me? Why is this rescue mission for me? And near the end of the movie, sorry to spoil this movie, but near the end of the movie, uh, Captain John Miller, I think is his name, who's played by Tom Hanks in this kind of epic role, he's killed saving Private Ryan. And he says to Ryan, James, earn this. Earn this. And then it flashes back to the cemetery. And you see the angst of this elderly veteran who is Ryan with his family, sons, daughters, and grandkids. And he says, I hope I earned it. Well, as you consider that movie and you look at this passage, none of us are earning our salvation. But let me pose a different question. Are we worth it? And God says, yes, You are worth it, Kathy. You are worth it, AJ. You are worth it, Steve. I'm going to send a mission to rescue you. I'm going to send my son to not just risk his life for you, but to give his life for you. And that's what Peter is saying here in Acts chapter 2 in his first sermon as the church is launched. Jesus did not just come to inspire you and me. He came to die for you and me. You see, some of these people in Jerusalem, they were saying, yeah, we know Jesus through his mighty acts and his signs and the wonders. And Peter's saying, that's not enough. He came to set you free. He came to loose the pangs of death. He came to release you and forgive you for your sins. Why? Well, it's according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, the passage says. Loosening the pains of death for the forgiveness of your sins. What's beautiful about this moment in the, in the life of our church this fall, we've been looking at the life of King David. 
And King David's life points to the life of the coming king, the coming Messiah, the coming Christ. Uh, Take this passage as an example. This is from Ezekiel 37. I will save them from all of their... Let me put on my glasses because I can't see it. I will save them from all of their backslidings in which they have sinned. And will cleanse them and they shall be my people. And I will be their king. My servant David shall be king over them. And they shall have one shepherd. In the words of Billy Graham, sin is the second most powerful force in the universe. For it sent Jesus to their cross. Only one force is greater, the love of God. Point number one, Jesus came to set us free. He's the king of sacrifice. Point number two, Jesus came to set us true. The passage goes on, it says, Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Jesus came not just to set us free, he came to set us true. It reminds me of a story from Hope Repair. Once a month, our church goes out to help repair the most impoverished homes around Berkeley County with a threefold mission. We want to keep them safe, dry, and warm. So last month, or I guess it was this month in November, we, we took 30 people with us to three different home sites to rebuild these homes. And uh, I discovered something. I'm not a carpenter by trade, but I know a little bit. Some of us don't know much at all, but still, we're helping hands and we can make a difference. And it just so happens our friend Mike Banks, some of you know Mike Banks, he was there. And uh, Jason Heil, who's one of the the best carpenters in our city of Charleston, he pulls out a chalk line. Does everyone know what a chalk line is? Raise your hand if you do. Some of you don't know. Okay, let's say there's a four by eight sheet of plywood like here on the stage. And let's say you want to make a straight cut. Well, you put the chalk, there's this little mechanism and it has a line that's lined in chalk and you have one person over here, one person over here, and you put it against the wood and you just draw it up and it snaps and it creates a perfect chalk line so that you can cut a straight line in the wood. And uh, Mike was like, how did I never learn about this in all my days, in all my years? Blaze said the same thing, I think. How did I not know about this? This is amazing. It is amazing. And uh, I won't say who, but someone did try to make a cut without the chalk line. It was an ugly cut, ugly piece of wood. It was all zigzagging. And we can't use that piece of wood. But here, what's, what's nice about a chalk line is you can make a straight cut. And it reminds me of our lives. Some of us go through life just trying to eyeball it. Some of us are moving over here. Some of us are moving over here. Some of us are moving over here. And you look back and you're like, well, that's not that good of a product, is it? In Isaiah, the Bible says, we all like sheep, we go astray. Jesus came not just to set us free. He came to set us true. You see, 
God doesn't just want to save you. He wants to restore you. The irony is not just what this passage is saying, but who's saying it. Do you guys remember the first time Jesus met Peter, or Peter met Jesus? I mentioned this last week in my sermon. Um, Jesus has this encounter with these fishermen, including Simon Peter. And Peter, when he recognizes that there's something special about Jesus, he drops to his knees, and he says, Away from me, for I am a sinful man. And then as we read the different accounts of the Gospels, uh, you see Peter just stubbing his toe again and again. He says all the wrong things at the, the wrong times, right? And then even when Jesus is about to be crucified, he says, I'm never going to leave you, Jesus. And where is he? He's gone. He flees. And Jesus says, Peter, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore the disciples. Just wait in Jerusalem, pray together, and I'm going to send the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to do greater things than I myself have done. You see, this goes back to even what we've talked about this fall. In Israel, catch this, this is really beautiful. In Israel, kings were not crowned. They were anointed by the gift of the Holy Spirit. 1 Samuel, God anoints Saul. Then God anoints David. To be anointed means God is sending his peace, his presence, and his power to dwell with you. In the Old Testament, it was given to specific people for specific times and specific places. And God is saying, now I'm going to unleash this anointing for all of my people. And this harkens back all the way to Genesis chapter 1, 2, the early pages where we're made in the image of God. Do you know that language means we're made to represent kings? The king? You see, in Egypt, when Moses was writing Genesis, when it, uh, the, the, the rulers of the land, they would put images of their, their, their kingship all around the land, and Moses trumped that and said, you, Meredith, you're called to be an image bearer of the king of kings. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. And what Peter is saying here is, Tyndall, I'm going to unleash my image back into you. I'm going to set you true. I'm going to set you right. I'm going to set you free. And it changes everything. And so the passage goes on. And in the last days... God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Repent and be baptized. Repent means turn. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and your kids and all who are far off. You see, God wants to anoint you and me today even. And therefore, thereby restore our true identities. Do you believe you're made in the image of a king? God is saying, yes. I want to not only set you free, I want to set you true and right to represent me the rest of your days. Jesus set us free. He's the king of sacrifice. Jesus came to set us true. He's the king of restoration. Point number three, Jesus came to set us on fire. 
after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, these people, it says 3,000 people come to Jesus. I'd say that's a movement. And it goes on, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. I like that. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions, belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day all who were being saved. You see, this is a picture of radical devotion, generosity, and hospitality. And specifically, this is a picture of the birth of the church. Catch the details there. They gathered together. This wasn't just a potluck. They gathered together to hear from God's word, the teaching. They gathered together to break bread in fellowship, communion. They gathered together in prayer, coming back to God with one another. The verbiage is plural. It's not singular. They, the fellowship, all of them. This is the birth of a new people, the church. And let me just say this. I'm going to confess this. I love the church. And God loves the church. Uh, I know we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different wounds. And frankly, we've wounded one another, haven't we? Who here, you don't have to just, don't raise your hand, but you can blink at me. Who here has been hurt by a Christian or someone in the church? Blink. Yeah, we all have that in common. We put the fun in dysfunction. But what I do, what I do know is God loves the church. I love the church. This week, let me tell you some of the stuff that happened in our little church here, our growing church. We had our CEO group, Christians Encouraging Others, our, our group for older folk, 50 plus, they got together. They said, we don't just want to feast ourselves. We want to bless others. So they ended up having this party where they came together and packed all sorts of uh, bags uh, of special needs foods for the Ronald McDonald House and families in desperate need of love and supplies and attention. The next day, I start getting text messages from another community group, our Wednesday night group, where um, there's a single mom who's just gone through a pretty hard divorce, and her house has become unkept, and she's working full-time. To her surprise, people in her community group came and trimmed all of her bushes, redid all of her yard. I'm talking, they took uh, truckloads of garbage and um, cut branches and stuff from her house to surprise her. Then, that night, knowing another community group member's daughter was having surgery, they secretly planned to make Thanksgiving lunch for that, that whole family. I mean, it's remarkable. We had other people doing something called the Basket Brigade, uh, packing lunches with their kid uh, for families in need, like, I don't know, 20,000 families in need. We had other people at the Dream Center Clinic giving up their Thanksgiving morning to hand out turkey dinners and lunches for families in need. I love the church. Only God can release such devotion, generosity, and hospitality and do it in kind of crazy unity. We all come from different 
places and spaces, but God says, you're mine, and you're not just mine, you're each other's, you belong together. And it's not just about what we're doing for one another, it's about what we're doing for our neighbor, isn't it? For our world in need. In John chapter 17, when Jesus was praying his high prayer to his father before the crucifixion, these words are recorded. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. Notice plural. I'm sending them, community, my followers into the world. C.S. Lewis writes it like this. Now the whole affair which Christianity makes is this, that we can, if we let God have his way, come to share in the life of Christ. He came to this world and became a man in order to spread to other men the kind of life he has by what I call good infection. Every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else. Jesus, as our king, didn't just come to set us free and set us true. He came to set us on fire for our neighbors, our city, and our world in need as little Christ. And I want you to join me in celebrating what our church is doing and has committed to do. Uh, Steve Kramer came up here last week and shared that we have a huge heart to serve our city and our world by banding together with like-minded gospel-centered charities and churches, especially those that are being uh, serving the most vulnerable and new churches being launched. And, and I'm here to share that even, even though we have a big budget gap, we still have a big target to hit as we close out the year. Our leadership has decided we're going for it, and we're going to live in to our budget and our plan that we set forth at the beginning of the year. Specifically, uh, we have decided to give tens of thousands of dollars to these different charitable organizations and churches. And I just want to highlight uh, a few of these. Lifeline Children, Children Services. Uh, they seek to equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children through foster care training, family restoration counseling, and adoption services. We invited Kathy Leak, the interim uh, executive director for South Carolina, to come and tell us more, our staff more, about their services this week. And as she was finishing sharing, we surprised her with a gift, a financial gift, to bless them as they close out the year. The Dream Center Clinic. The Dream Center Clinic provides free faith-based outpatient health and wellness services to the medically underserved residents, people 200% below the poverty line of North Charleston, Hanahan, West Ashley, and South Carolina. They've seen thousands of people that can't afford health care this year, and we've partnered with them. I've mentioned Hope Repair. Um, Halos is another organization we've decided to bless and partner with as we try to set our world on fire with the love of Jesus. They provide assistance to abused and neglected children in Charleston, Berkeley County, and Georgetown counties, and their kinship caregivers. Bread of Life Africa, can I get a shout out from a staff member here from Bread of Life? Woo! We happened to surprise our very own Mel Alm in Bread of Life Africa about a week ago with a gift. Bread of Life shares the bread of life 
with the hurting and loss of humanity in the bush of Kenya. Is that right? Through church planning, medical camps, relief supplies, and more. And then we mentioned the Low Country Pregnancy Center. They provide life-affirming reproductive health and family services, including free pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, nursing consultations, and parenting classes. Check out this statistic. In 2018, uh, they were able to give away 562 ultrasounds. Out of those 562 ultrasounds that were given, uh, 529 of those women decided uh, to keep their babies, believed that they could do it. And to support them to that end, they provided 961 free parenting classes, both for pregnancy and post-pregnancy, so they could get off their feet and learn what they're doing. What is happening, not just in the book of Acts, but in the life of our church, is awesome. And I just want to say thank you for all those who are all in with us. Point number three, Jesus came to set us on fire. He's the king of mission. So in summary, the key to life is understanding that Jesus came not just to be a baby, but to be your king. Some of us need to be set free this morning. Some of us need to be set true this morning. And some of us need to be set on fire, don't we, this morning, to join in all that God is doing, both in our church, in our city, and in our world. And here's what I'm going to invite. As I close this time in prayer, I'm just gonna, if you feel a sense that you just need to come to Jesus as you are, either to set you free, set you true, where your dignity is redeemed and restored, or set you on fire, where you really know that you're called to live for the sake of others, just put your palms up in, in a posture of surrender and receiving what God has in store for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would search us and you would know us. And God, would you pour your love in the gift of your Holy Spirit upon us right now. For those of us that need to be set free, untangled, forgiven, God, would you forgive us, loose the pangs of death. You are the king of sacrifice. God, for those of us who need our dignity, our identity restored, God, would you set us true this morning that we wouldn't walk with a bent posture, but with a proper posture as sons and daughters of you, the King of Restoration. And God, for those of us in here that need to be set on fire, God, would you right now pour out your Holy Spirit upon them and on us. Take away anything that's not of you and fill us with all of you. You are the king of mission and you call us to go. We pray all this in Jesus' name, the king of kings, the Lord of lords.